Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're on part two of our two-part music series with the amazing rock metal bassist, Rudy Sarzo. We left off last time talking about how Rudy met with his spiritual center. And now we're going to continue that conversation. Welcome back, Rudy. Great to be back, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing great today. How about yourself? I'm doing terrific. Great. <laughs> so how long were you with Ozzy? Uh, let's say from, um, uh, I joined the band in about April of 1981. And then my last performance with Ozzy was for the Speak of the Devil recordings. I believe it was in August of 1982. Yeah. So yeah. about like a year and a half yeah. or so. We started with the Blizzard of Oz tour, which was to promote the Blizzard of Oz album, mainly in the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. And then we took a month off. And when Tommy Aldridge and I joined the band, the follow-up record, Diary of a Madman, had already been recorded by the previous uh, rhythm section. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It wasn't like the traditional. Well, you you you're in a band, and then you're gonna take six months off or whatever, make a record, and then come back on the road. Mm-hmm. No, it was continuous. Hmm. So we actually did two major tours back to back. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the Blizzard of Oz, and then by the time we did Diary of a Madman, the band had already exploded, and 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 we went from playing in theaters to actually headlining arena sold out tour. You damn, know? damn. So, yeah, so it was the equivalent of being on, you know, in the band for three years. You know, that <laughs> yeah, be, it was on the fast track. Yeah, incredibly fast track. Yeah. yeah. So, what was your favorite concert? Your favorite arena? Uh, usually playing around home. I mean, you know, there's so much to be said about Madison Square Garden because it's a, such an iconic mm-hmm. venue. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and it's New York City. You know, it's just like you know. I mean, I, I'm. <laughs> I was raised in the East Coast. I love L.A., but yeah. every time I go to New York, I'd rather go to, to Manhattan than Disneyland. Yes, I understand that fully. So I'm curious. You're on this fast track. You play two huge tours in a row. How did the Aussie years come to a close? And what came after that? Well, Randy Rhodes was involved in a, in a, uh, in a crash, and he passed away, and it was very painful to continue playing. I had lost the joy in my playing, you know. Wow. You know, you know, what, 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 you know I, there, so many, there were so many rumors and conspiracy theories behind the crash uh, about 10, 12 years ago, you know, on the Internet mainly on the internet mm-hmm. and that was my my motivation for for writing the book off the rails yeah and just to explain you know how it happened and why it happened and all this series of events that led to it in the aftermath so talk about a spiritual journey yeah exactly oh not only that i mean you know revisiting yeah i i, I wrote the book at a point in my life where where i was surrounded by certain negative aspects in my life, uh, not having to do with my family, but mainly having to do with, with my uh, with my career, my business. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the, you know, there were so many re- incredible rewards about writing the book. One of them is 
as you write a book, it's almost like taking personal inventory. It's kind of like going through your taxes. When you prepare your taxes for one year, you know, let's say it's uh, next April, I will be looking back at what I did this year, 2016. So you take inventory and then I usually, you know, that's when I make my decision. Well, I'm going to keep doing this and change that to Mm -hmm. improve my situation, you know, Mm -hmm. career-wise or financial or whatever, you know. And so writing the book was pretty much kind of like rediscovering myself. Wow. But this came years later. So before writing the book, all these years leading up to that, you were still actively playing, right? Yes, but I had this weight on my shoulders about carrying the not letting go, not letting go of what had happened and the pain that it was causing. And there's uh, the best way, the only way that I could find to let it go, to let it go, actually not let it go, but but transfer it from my shoulders and my heart and my soul, transfer it into a page. Hmm. So playing on stage with, you know, Quiet Riot or White Snake, that didn't help? No, ultimately no. No, because I did find joy in playing again. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that was still in there. It was kind of like, 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 uh, like some kind of a malady, wow. you know, some kind of a something, a tumor in your body that it's still there. You can still do things in life, mm-hmm. carry on, but it's yeah. still, it's, it's, it's in your body. You're yeah. not removing it yet. Oh, it's like a trauma. Yeah, it was, it was an incredibly traumatic experience. I yeah. mean, it's, it still affects everybody yeah. that was involved, you know, in, in that band. Yeah. That was part of part of that of that nucleus, that family that we had. Yes, yeah, and you did say how important that that circle was. It was it was your family. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because you had corrected me last time. I said, you know, oh, so it sounds like it was kind of like a click, and you're like, no, no, it was a family. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, how did you? Can you tell us more about how you got involved with you know White Snake, and then f- years later Dio and all of the amazing accomplishments that you had. Yeah, well, with White Snake, it was it was interesting. You know, sometimes it's all about being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. in order to again, you know, develop that circle of trust. You know, and with White Snake, it happened because I White Snake was the opening band for Choir Riot. Oh, okay. And you you get to know people. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on the same bill and you tour together. And one one thing that you know that when David Coverdale first called me up or told me that someday we were going to play together, while I was still a member of Quiet Riot, was the fact that he could trust that I would go on stage every single night and deliver. Yeah, you know because he saw that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Uh, also, he could trust that I was not a an alcoholic, a drug addict. I was. I would not be a detriment to the band. Right. Because he saw that. He saw my my character, my work ethics, and everything. So that's one way of de- of developing trust. You know, a lot of the things that I'm going to say today, I'm actually saying it for the benefit of of the young musician who's who's trying to break in, into the business. Because even though the industry has changed a lot, the 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 fundamentals of to be become a successful musician have not. 
they have been the same fundamentals dating back to the days of the troubadour. <laughs> right. And I love what you're saying. You're saying, hey, you stayed straight the whole time. You stayed uh, focused. You always gave it your best. There are a lot of people, though, who have met with success who haven't done that. Well, you, then you might as well stay home. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, it's it's like... You know, I, I tell all the young musicians that I come across uh, uh, with, you know, not only in in personal appearances, whether I'm doing a show or a clinic, mm -hmm. but also at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Yeah. We get to spend a lot of time in the room, you know, and I, I tell them, you know, you are auditioning every single day in life. It's, it's, an, it's an audition. You're being tested which is basically what I, I see an audition to be. You're tested to see first sure. if you can play, if you fit in mm -hmm. with the sound, everything, your choice of notes, everything, you know. So life is definitely an audition. That sounds like know? a lot of pressure, Rudy. <laughs> it's life. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how we turn yeah. diamonds. But, but I think, though, that it's not going to be so difficult and so full of pressure if you're just truly being yourself. And if that if you've developed yourself to a point where you're like where you were, where you said you got to this point where you were on your journey, your spiritual journey, where you felt like you were ready for whatever life was going to hand you. Yeah, being myself meant working at becoming myself. I had to work at it. I had to make choices. I mean, there's there's choices in front of me all day long. I put it this way. I have to make the right choices. What was the toughest thing that you ever faced over all the, the span of your career thus far? The toughest thing. And I mean, as far as being a musician. The toughest thing has always been able to judge characters who were doing the hustle for you. Mm -hmm. So you, you mean know. like managers? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, because sometimes you feel like the manager, and I, I will mean particularly the manager, but yeah, the business people, the people who are in charge of, of furthering your career, you know, it was, you know, you always want to find the people that are going to live and fight for you. Mm -hmm. You got to wonder sometimes if they're really fighting for you or if it's just for their own benefit. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Then, you know, if you're a band member, are they going to be fighting for you as an individual or, or is it just going to be, are there going to be all the people in the band that they're going to be uh, fighting for more than mm. yourself, you know? And um, I have been very blessed to have worked with some of the greatest and people that, that were, were incredibly fair with me. I think uh, I, I definitely at the top of my list would be Sharon Osborne. When we were, when I was working, you know, when I was a member of Ozzy, I mean, she looked after the band, you know, yeah. that was, you know, it, she looked, you know, she took as much care, great care of Randy, Tommy, myself, and later on that area as, as she did with Ozzy. You know, with Ozzy, it was, in those days, it was pretty much kind of like an intervention every single day. <laughs> yeah. You know, keep, you know, to keep him on the, uh, on the straight and narrow as mm. much as she could, you know. Mm -hmm. But as, as far as everything else, man, she, you know, she, she took incredible care. Yeah, She's she like was, Den Mama. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Big time. And that's, you know, that's major part of her success, you know, At attention to detail. Mm -hmm. um, I work with Trudy Green from HK Management. She had the same ethics. 
as Sharon did, you know. I always felt protected. I always felt like they were looking after my best interest and also the best interest of the band, you know. That's awesome. And uh, That yeah, is rare. Uh, That's yeah, so rare. Yeah, Trudy managed, uh, she was part of the um, White Snake management, you know. Mm-hmm. And she also handled the careers of like, you know, Steven Tyler and, and Mick Jagger and Hart and so on, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Wendy Dio was, was very much like that. She... You know, she and 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 I guess there's a pattern. There's women involved in this. Yeah. You know, yeah. These are the solid ladies. Yes, absolutely. They're angels. Yeah. Yeah, with a vision and and with a lot of uh, uh, drive and determination. Mm -hmm. You know. And um, yeah, but uh, can I just make a quick comment? I loved your look during the White Snake years. (laughs) You went blonde for a minute. Yeah. I was I was blonde-ish before I joined the band. Actually, I I, I did it with sun in. I was bored. I was laying sun by the in. Floor. Oh man, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I started putting sun in. And my hair <laughs> got lighter, and they and then you know Trudy. Trudy was the she was the one who actually at, at the very beginning when we all got together, uh, she's the one who oversaw the image of the band and she developed all of that. Oh. You know. So she. I mean, let's say we would do a photo session. Trudy Green, our manager, would be there mm. at the session with the photographer. Well, she did a great job because some of those pictures, man, if you look through them, I'm just like, wow, these yeah. guys were hot. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it takes the, the eye of a woman to bring that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. She's, uh, she's, she's a master. She's a master. Yeah. At that, you know? So let's talk about Wendy Dio for a minute. Is How did you meet her and how did you get pulled into that camp? Well... It's, you know, I have known Wendy for many years. As a matter of fact, the first time when I when I left Quiet Rider in 1985, she contacted me and she wanted to put a band around me and and uh, we had meetings and so on. So, you know, that's when we forged our, our friendship, you know, way back. Mm-hmm. And then it just so happened that in 2004, when Ronnie was uh, going into studio to record an album called Master of the Moon, uh, she contacted me on his behalf to join the band and make the record, but I was on tour. I was uh, with Inve Malmsteen touring oh, wow. uh, for the uh, Attack Attack uh, record promoting okay. that, and I just couldn't walk away. It's impossible, you know. You're not gonna, you know, you're on tour with with this individual. You were you 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 made a commitment, right? And you know, it's like you know. Well, that's where your work ethic came in. You weren't well, just well, going to drop that, yeah. You have to, you know, you have to, and uh, and then I. But I told Wendy, listen, you know, I'm in the middle of a tour with MV. I would, uh, I, I would love to join the band, and uh, but you know, can can I just call you back when when I'm done with the tour? And if you guys are still looking for a bass player, I I, I would love to come in, you know. So uh, we did, and it happened, and um, she was phenomenal. You know, she still is, you know, because she still, uh, man, you know, handles uh, Ronnie's career, mm-hmm. you know. There's certain artists like Elvis and Michael Jackson who still, you know, people love and Heck yeah. and, and and they they miss him so much. You know, not only the fans, but also the members of the Dio family like myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's certain events, you know, they uh, she runs the, the Stand Up and Shout uh, Cancer uh, yes. Organization, you know. Yeah, uh, charity. Yeah, that uh, that actually Ronnie set up before he passed away. It's fantastic. You know, he was such a good man, right? Wonderful man. Wonderful. Uh, truly a 
a, a role model for me, especially at a time where I thought I had experienced everything. Mm. <laughs> there was more the industry. Uh, there was so much more to learn, and I learned that from uh, from Ronnie. What's your favorite memory of Ronnie? Oh God, I got so many. It's hard to say favorite, but I would say being on stage with him because, uh, oof, you know, his voice is what gather everybody together from members of the crew who have been with him for decades to oh, to us the the musicians you know who join him on stage and the fans it was his his storytelling gift mm. that he had he seemed like such a passionate guy oh yeah well he's italian <laughs> italian from new york you know upstate right. new york because of course he's passionate yeah <laughs> A lot of passion, a lot of I mean, so much passion and joy about life, and, yes. and making other people happy, and and truly, you know, Ronnie was one of those guys. Okay, this is Ronnie after a show. Okay, the uh, the tour manager will come in and say, Ronnie, uh, there's there's a meet and greet, and they will go, Oh my God, I just got off the stage, and blah blah blah. <laughs> okay, let me go meet him, right? Okay, he will walk in, and he will remember every single individual in that room. And their the family or friends that they brought with them on the last tour backstage. So they'll go, hey Bill, great to see you. Oh How's Michael gosh. doing? And his little daughter and blah blah blah. And I'm going like, wow, this is really amazing. I mean, you know, I was witnessing this when I first joined the band. He did this every single night. And then, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning rolls around. I'm go- I'm like, oh man, I'm beat up. I, I, I got to go back to my bunk, you know, get yeah. some sleep. And Ronnie would still be out there talking with everybody. And, wow. and this happened every single night, every single country that we played at, you know, for, for as long as he, uh, as he lived and, wow. and he toured. Amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. What an upstanding dude. Oh, incredible. And I could see why he was such a, a great mentor or influence, I should say, on you, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you were already down this path of being, you know, the good guy with the great work ethic. You weren't causing any problems, you know? And so it was kind of almost like fate that you got put with somebody like Dio. Yeah. And, you know, especially at a time where creativity has become kind of like non-motivational uh, because of the, 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 the way things are, you know, you spend time, you make a record, then it gets pirated, it gets downloaded. Mm-hmm. You don't get... You, you, you don't get a financial reward from it. Right. You get a creative reward from it, mm-hmm. not a financial reward. And for Ronnie, he kept making, every day he would write. You know, I mean, I would go over to his house and he had a, a recording studio in there, you know, a, a home studio. Mm-hmm. And he would go, check this out. And by that time, you know, he, he had pretty much um, gotten savvy with Pro Tools and he originally was a bass player. You know, he played uh, a oh. trumpet, a classically trained trump- front trumpet player that became a bass player. So he, he would lay down these these bass lines. He would play guitar. Simon Wright, the uh, uh, the deal drummer, yeah. lived with him. So he would program drums, and Ronnie would play the keyboards, and of course he would sing. And and he would show you a demo that sounded just like a master. Wow. So you've played with so many bands. Um, Dio is like so exciting to, I'm sure, a lot of the listeners and to me as well. But you also play with Blue Oyster Cult and, and all kinds of bands. Can you name a favorite band? Is there one out of all of them that was just like the best to you so far in your career? Well, it, you know, looking back, it's easy for me to say that the Aussie you know, band because it, it was fresh. It was everything was new. Mm-hmm. I had never. It was everything was a first. 
it was like my first my first gig in Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my first gig in Madison Square Garden, you know, playing with, I would say, the most incredible uh, combination of musicianship yeah. and, and, and music songs, you know, that I that I've ever been involved with. Yeah, what a rush. What yeah. a rush, I bet. Yeah. And, and going from like sleeping on a floor to to doing that overnight. Yeah. Overnight is right. Overnight. overnight. You just got plugged in. Yeah. Like, boom. Boom. You had a talk with God, and he took care of some stuff for you. That's right. (laughs) And he talked back. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And he knew you were ready for it, because obviously there was a lot of stuff going on around you that you had to stay strong about. So there's so many other things you've accomplished. Now, you do CG work, isn't that right? Yeah. I, I was really, really heavily into it a few years ago. And what happened was the reason why I got heavily into it because it, it was it was more uh, enjoyable to actually have my laptop and put my glasses on and actually be creative than to actually sit with my bass guitar without my glasses or with my glasses. And then, you know, for the people that wear glasses, we you know that it's certain th- things fall below the frame of your glasses <laughs> yeah so, so let's say if i was playing above the 12th fret that was augmented by the glasses but as soon as i start playing higher on the neck of the guitar well that's you know and for me to look at the frets that will fall underneath the frame oh. so so it was it, it, it you're like this is a pain in the ass it was a pain <laughs> in the ass so i started losing the joy in playing in playing and you know when i would go on stage i wasn't wearing glasses so i i, I couldn't really see what I was doing very well you know so I made a decision a career decision to get Lasix mm. and it changed my life wow immediately it, as it was being performed on me I it changed my life I could actually see things getting sharper oh my god know? to think that you would stop playing bass just because you felt like it was too tough that you couldn't see what you were doing is i couldn't see what i was doing mind-blowing yeah. it, but but it was it was not joyful lasik <laughs> is scary to me to oh think about god. having my eye cut Ooh. it's it I, I only did it because i had no other choice it was like either give up playing because it was just it was getting that couldn't bad you get contact lenses no, I was I, I wasn't really keen about that. Yeah, you know I've dealt uh, with that since high school. I do the contact yeah. lens thing. Yeah, I you know I mean I knew I had to do something, and to me contact lenses would have been a remedy, not a cure. And so far, Lasix have been a cure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't need to be putting contact lenses on every single day. And I tour with guys who would like drop the contact lens in the middle of, of, of the show on stage. <laughs> oh God! Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know you're running around, you're blinking your eyes, and you know there's a lot <laughs> the of the sweat's going in there. Yeah. It just pops out. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it just pops. You know, <laughs> so I wanted to avoid that. So my God, what happens if you know all of a sudden like it does suck when you only my... have one contact in? It's yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and so I got monovision, uh, LASIK. Uh, one eye for driving wow. and one eye for reading, and it, it's unbelievable. Wow! I mean, I mean, I can see better now than I did ever in my whole life. You know, because I—that's amazing. Well, that's corrected. inspiring. I feel like and I want to look into it. Yeah, and immediately it it got my joy of playing again because not only could I could I actually even see the grain and all the detail of my fretboard, 
but also uh, teaching, uh, uh, learning, learning, you know, absorbing material. So it wasn't like I had to put on my glasses to read music mm. or to read compositions or theory, uh, get back into my, you know, get myself re-educated yeah. in music again. And, you know, now I, I don't need to put glasses on for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell us everything that you're into right now, what's most exciting that you're working on. Oh, so many things. I have a um, couple of new signature model instruments, uh, basses, a bass guitar uh, for the company called Spectre, one of them, the yeah. electric. And then I have a an ovation acoustic bass uh, coming out. I'm also working with a company called Chromacast to design innovative musician products. Uh, for example, a better gig bag for your for your for your travels, you know, mm. for your instruments. Like better, ergonomic. Yes, not only that, but also the innovations that, that that I mentioned based on experience as a traveler. You know, nowadays a lot of the gigs that we all do are actually flyaways. Like for example, I'm doing one next week. I'm flying over to South Korea. Oh and wow! I'm not going to check in. I might check in one extra base because I can only bring one. Uh, on the plane with me, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm going to bring a carry-on and my bass, and that's it. You know, and a lot of the gigs that we do nowadays, it's it's like that. Not only is it because it's uh, it's cost-effective, you don't have to check, we pay for the extra luggage, right? But also losing luggage, which I it's happened to me. Yeah, you want to make sure that anything you're going to be <laughs> bringing on stage is on board with you, right? Oh, gosh, I can't imagine like losing a bass or losing your pedals or anything. I've been with with, with band members who who did that. They would show we would show up, you know, I mean, we would land and I would have all my stuff and their guitars are nowhere to be found. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. There's some trauma. This is I mean, I've had lost luggage happening like in Russia. They say you you've traveled all the way. It's happened to me twice in Russia. Yeah. And somebody's having up, fun with your bass right now. <laughs> well, no, no, it, it wasn't my guitar because, like, again, I don't check in my guitar. But sometimes when you let's say when you tour Russia for a month, you're not going to be carrying a carry on. You're going right. to be carrying a luggage with a month's worth of clothes. So you're doing these innovative products for yes. musicians. Yes, yes, to carry as much personal belongings that's allowed by the uh, TSA, hmm. the FAA, to to come on board. You know. And, that's uh, awesome. So they don't have to check as much. Or nothing at all. Oh, that's great. That's the whole point. Make care, it easy you know. to travel. Yeah. Get your yeah. gig on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, I got those products and also straps and, you know, just innovative stuff. You know, stuff awesome. that has, you know, from years of experience, you say, hey, I wish I had a strap that would do this, a guitar strap. Right. You know, Um my book, my book, it's on Kindle, off the rails right now, mm-hmm. and it's actually has been for 13 weeks at the number one spot, ah. or you know, back and forth on the uh, on the heavy metal charts. Congratulations, that's Kindle. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it, it goes from between one and two for for 13 weeks. So I'm, I'm when it really goes to really... two, are you like, what the hell? <laughs> well, you just wait. You know, yeah. a couple of days later, it goes back to number, to number one. one. I'll, by the way, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so everybody can Thank go and get you. a copy. You. Yeah. You. So you're going to South Korea with who? A friend of mine that I do a band with called the Animetal USA, and then he's had his own solo band called Impelitary. His name is Chris Impelitary. Hmm. So we're doing a headlining a festival in Busan. Wow. South Korea. Have you and been there before? 
Oh, South Korea, a few times was quite a riot, but it's been at the bases, the military bases. This is the first time that I actually get to play for the uh, locals Wow! In, in South Korea. That's cool. Yeah, then, then after that, I'm actually uh, going to be doing three shows with the legendary band, The Guess Who. Ooh, no kidding. American woman, American woman. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. exciting. Then I'm doing some shows with the, it's called the Platinum All-Stars. Mm-hmm. It's got Carmen Apiece and Ooh. and Gene Cornish from uh, The Rascals and Bumblefoot. Oh. And it's got uh, Jeff Downs on guitar. I mean, I'm sorry, on keyboards. He's a keyboard play- player for Asia and Yes mm-hmm. and The Buggles. And and then also I'm, do- oh, I'm doing Chiller, Chiller Convention, which is like an autograph signing of uh, celebrities and, and rock and roll musicians and so on. You just don't stop, Rudy. No, why stop? Why stop? <laughs> and then I'm doing a uh, benefit in in Phoenix, another all-star benefit with Pat Travers and Les Dudek, and Carmine's going to be there, oh, too. Yeah. And just, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always getting, you know, and I'm, I'm always recording projects from people around the world and it's mm. all very exciting i love it i'm so glad that you got the lasik surgery <laughs> so you can get back to your base and Me continue too. to share your gift with everybody and also you were you recently got an award is that right hey, i'm always you know no, you're like oh <laughs> no it's it's nice to be uh rewarded with you know some kind of an acknowledgement sure know, for what you've done but uh I you know, they just, I bring him and I put him in, you know, I give it to my wife and she puts it in the right place <laughs> at home, you know. But for you, the reward is not getting the acknowledgement. It's about doing it day to day, right? Oh, it's, it's what's, it's, it's, it's what the future holds, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I mean, what? you know, I, I, I take rewards on a daily basis, you know, a, a, a day well lived. I set up some um, goals, daily goals. You know, and then everything adds up, you know, and it's all always about music. First thing I do in the morning, you know, I have my coffee and then, and then I pick my bass up. That's amazing. And, what, do you, uh, what do you most want to be remembered by? What do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> uh, remember by? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I there's so much to be done yet that I don't know. I don't know. I'll leave that up to, to everybody because, you know, Everybody has an opinion, a different opinion about myself. You know, some people might remember me as the guy who helped them find their 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 pet <laughs> through creating shelter. You yes, know, yes. You know, you know. I know that, you're a big animal advocate. Yeah, yeah, and also, you know, m- my goal is to abolish, you know, euthanizing dogs. In yes, the kill shelters are so unnecessary. I mean, it's it's an oxymoron. <sighs> a shelter. Yeah. Kill. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Who came up with that? Oh yeah, a, a shelter kill, kill shelter. What the Give heck? A break. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So to close, I would love for you to share with the listeners out there, especially the up and coming musicians or bands of the world. What's the biggest piece of advice that you have for them? The biggest piece of advice, and I'm and I'm I'm saying this primarily for the up and coming uh, musicians. You know. Back in the day, we used to uh, rely on certain individuals for, in our career for, for, to sustain our career and, and to actually maximize our potential for our career. And pretty much for right now, 
because of the way that the industry is, it's pretty much left to yourself. So not only do you have to be creative, but you also must exercise your hustle hmm. muscle. Mm -hmm. the, hu the hustle muscle. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before. The hustle muscle. <laughs> the hustle muscle. Yeah, you, yeah, you must. You know, like, uh, you know, you, you have to be, I've mentioned many times, you know, in, in when I'm doing clinics, that music is not a competitive sport. But nevertheless, you are competing with just about every musician in your genre, mm. all bass players for me. You know, I'm, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of gigs and there's a lot of people that belong in those gigs. But when it comes up to me to go after a certain situation, I'm either gonna, gonna go there to the audition or to that first, you know, getting together with a musician with the attitude that I'm keeping this gig. This, mm -hmm. I'm here to get the gig. I'm not just here to show up and see what happens, you know. Mm. And you must have that. That not only not only grit. getting the gig, but even more important, keeping the gig. Aha! You know, That's and huge. you go, and you do that because if you don't, there's somebody else there who will want your gig more than you do, mm -hmm. and that person is gonna get it mm -hmm. and might even take it away from you. I love that idea. Don't just work on getting the gig, but keeping the gig. Yeah, and and that takes an incredible amount of, of daily hustle mm -hmm. to be able to do that because nobody's going to do it for you. There's there's people, there's less managers. Let's put it this way. There's less people willing to develop artists. Yeah, yeah. You know, who are in the music industry. Hardly uh, any. I can't imagine that there are any at all with yeah, the way exactly. the music industry is. Yeah, yeah. There's, plenty, there's plenty of managers at the top that will take lateral movements, you know, of an artist who all of a sudden sells gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, they're interested in that. They're not interested in developing an, an right. because You have to like, get it to a certain degree yourself. Yourself, and that takes a lot of hustle. So you have to be creative and a hustler at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, you've proven that. You, are, you have definitely walked the talk throughout your career so far, and I know there's so much more to come from you. Everybody out there listening, I hope you've been as inspired by Rudy as I am. Please go to his website, rudysarzo.com. Check out the show notes for a link to pick up his book, Off the Rails. And uh, is there anything else you want me to link to out there? How else can people reach out to you, Rudy? Yeah, the best place is uh, Facebook. Okay. Uh, and, and Twitter. All right, Rudy, thank you so very much for spending time with us on Nothing Off Limits and sharing your incredible stories. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Back at you. <laughs> Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.